who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hey, everyone. Uh, We pushed up bringing you this finale episode of our X-Files season one for a couple of reasons. Uh, First, it's a holiday week here in the United States, and we know that for a lot of you in our listenership, that can come with a particular heaviness. Conversations had or time spent with family or, you know, in the alternate version, conversations not had or times not spent with family can be heavier on weeks like this one. The work that we do here is primarily a place of respite, of escape, of levity. The reason we do what we do is because the world can be an incredibly dark place and often finding laughter and community is the only way we're able to keep putting a foot in front of the other. Second, because in addition to working to bring you that light, we've also made commitments to create our work using an anti-racist and anti-colonialist lens. For us, this primarily means looking at the TV shows we talk about, The X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, more responsibly, noting places where we see patriarchal and white supremacist structures woven into characters or storylines. We don't do the work perfectly. You can't really do work like this perfectly, but we do our best to do the work, to listen to your feedback, to be in conversation. We haven't yet spoken publicly about what is happening right now in the Middle East and specifically in Gaza and the West Bank, but we've been having conversations internally as a team for the past many, many weeks. We are devastated and we've been working to find the best ways to engage here in this space. We feel it's important to say clearly and loudly we support the Palestinian people. We support a free Palestine. Supporting a free Palestine does not mean that we support the loss of innocent Israeli life. And condemning Israel's current war crimes, which we do, is also not a condemnation of Jewish people. We've heard from some of our Jewish listenership directly about the massive weight they're carrying right now and standing up and speaking up for the Palestinian people themselves, battling through a huge backlash from inside of their own communities. 
We want to allow our work to remain a respite for folks, especially for those who are most impacted. We want to make sure that any of our listeners with ties to this region, all of our Jewish and Muslim listeners know that this is a space which we will always work first and foremost to keep free of hateful or triggering dialogue, one where you will, we hope, find at least a temporary reprieve from the horrifying situation that many of us spend so much time feeling anguished about. For those of our listeners who are seeking to learn more about the complicated history of this conflict or who are looking for more ways to engage, to have your voices heard, to support the people most impacted, we will also work to bring you those resources over on bufferingcast.com slash justkeepfighting. We are going to be sending donations this week to Gift of the Givers Foundation and to the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies. All of these links in our bio and on the Just Keep Fighting landing page on bufferingcast.com. And we are going to keep doing what we do here. We're going to keep talking about our little vampire shows and our little alien shows. We're going to keep finding each other through the shared love of story and helping to hold each other up so that we can hold on to hope in some of the very hardest moments. We know this sits heavily with so many of you. It sits heavily with us as well. And we hope that we can keep bringing you even the smallest bit of light. You know, I've always held science as sacred. I've, I've always put my trust in the accepted facts. And what I saw last night, for the first time in my life, I don't know what to believe. Whatever it is you do believe, Scully, when you walk into that room, nothing sacred will hold. That's the EX-Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the X-Files one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Young's ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X-Files. And I am Kristen Russo, guilty as charged ex-wife of Jenny Owen Young's. And hey, I've only seen 24 episodes, or some might say one complete season (laughs) of The X-Files. Today we are talking about the season one finale, the Erlenmeyer Flask. This is almost as exciting as the finale episode of Angel that was called No Place Like Clerts Blurg, Blurts Clerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Has has the same satisfaction of like consonant combination in it. Erlenmeyer Flask, delicious. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, the Erlenmeyer flask is, of course, named for the German chemist Emil Erlenmeyer, who lived from 1825 to 1909. And we will touch later on exactly what this means uh, as far as the episode is concerned. Are you also going to explain to everybody what an Erlenmeyer flask is, just in case they don't know? <laughs> yeah. OK, so picture, if you will, me holding up my hands. <laughs> Uh, parallel to each other, but vertical, uh, you know, uh, perpendicular to the ground, uh, about an inch apart. Mm-hmm. And then picture me running them down through the air, <laughs> you know, about a hand's length. 
<laughs> and then angling them out like 30 degrees <laughs> and then running them down another hand's length and then picture uh, scooting them flat along the bottom and picture jenny uh sitting around a table with a bunch of uh like gentlemen from the sopranos perhaps describing a very sexy lady she once saw come on <laughs> come on come on come on and there you listen the erlen meyer what flask. happens <laughs> at the bada bing stays at the bada bing famously uh, none of their business Kristen. i thought you were just gonna say picture the flask emoji that is most common commonly seen everywhere the oh, Erlenmeyer flask sure, maybe has that. Or just to be picture the Erlenmeyer flask that shows up later in this episode yeah <laughs> okay so the Erlenmeyer flask was written by Chris Carter directed by R.W. Goodwin and originally aired on May 13th 1994 wow 94 just about to start my freshman year in high school um about to graduate from eighth grade over here in Kristen Russo land. Uh, mm. Big, big, this is about big one, changes. One month. This is about one month after the death of Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah. Situate yourself in time. That really situates me in time. I, I just pictured yeah. my entire wall of magazine clippings yeah. that I had in my bedroom uh, by that marker. Um, this episode. Uh, is the one where, according to IMDb, Deep Throat tips Mulder off to a critically important case involving a missing fugitive and the cloning of extraterrestrial viruses. Um, I would say that this is the one where there's a fucking alien fetus that made Kristen Russo scream to the top of her lungs <laughs> at her television and also Deep Throat died, question mark. The number of photographs that I received in my text messages from Kristen, uh, taken with her phone of her TV screen. They weren't even taken by my phone. I was I was frozen on the couch. I was screaming at Avanti. Did you get a picture? Did you get a picture? <laughs> I lost As though all ability there to were do no anything. way yeah. to rewind. Okay. <laughs> uh, producer Latoya Ferguson gives this episode a scary rating of one out of five. Trust. Trust. No one. <laughs> what, what a beautiful job you did. They should have asked you instead of Jerry Harden. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, pal. Um. Okay. Well. Oh. oh okay. Oh. So before we get into the big thoughts, deep thoughts, deep throat thoughts. Yeah. 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 Uh. First of all, Kristen, you've just completed watching your first complete season of the X Files. I have. How do you feel? I feel fucking great. I feel like this episode is the episode I've been waiting for. Like, mm -hmm. like you know what I mean? For me, this was my... And um, all respect to the first season of this television show, this is my premiere, you know? Like, this yeah, is yeah. it for me. I This was this had the backlighting and the bodies floating in fluid and the alien babies yeah. that I have been waiting for. I am... Delighted, and I'm um, hoping that the cost of admission of going through some of the uh, lower points of season one will be well worth uh, the rest of my time spent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tremendous. I'm so excited that we're here. I'm so excited for what's next. Uh, my general, my only general note on this episode as a standalone is I can tell Chris Carter wrote an episode when my notes are almost all like, and then 
this person says this thing to this other person instead of, and then this happens. <laughs> There's a lot of telling going on in this episode, in this which, episode. you know, I think it's, it's, that's like a feature. It's a hallmark of the myth arc episodes, at least this early in the series, because there is so much kind of groundwork to lay, to be lain, to be laid, to layeth. To yeah. Layeth. Well, I mean, and also obviously this episode is sort of a, you could take the pilot and the finale and pop them together and get some nice little dovetails, you know. Uh, so like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and with a pilot, you need a you need a good amount of exposition to set set us all up. I was not I did not feel that like, I mean, obviously it, it exists on paper, but I didn't feel it, I think, because so much of what's being told uh, in this episode, at the very least, are things that are like very fascinating to me they're not like the kind of exposition where you're like saying how this person feels about that or what this person did before it's like when you're giving me exposition that's explaining you know what two new nucleopeptides in a fucking gene thing mean and (laughs) and that like we've had this fucking tissue since 1947 and they've been injecting Uh it into kids i'm like okay Mm -hmm. i'm listening (laughs) i am you have me i am all ears so i i loved this episode um obviously we didn't even cover the episode Roland in the in the main feed uh, which we talked about in our last uh, episode in feed but like coming off of you know sort of some of the recycled stories that that hit towards the end of the season and then Roland like I was definitely (laughs) primed to be like oh fuck yeah we get aliens and deep throat and significant eye contact like we get it all in this Uh episode so I was Uh you know uh especially delighted but I just this is, I think, what I expected, both knowing of the X-Files and also like when I because I don't know if you remember, Jenny, but when I watched the pilot of this show, I was like, fuck, yes. It was so hard for me to not watch more immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this yeah. is that. This is this is doing that for me in every way. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. All right. I've got some like questions right out of the gate for Chris Carter. Chris, what's your budget for car chase? What's your budget for boat search? And what's your budget for human bodies suspended in tanks of fluid? And I think the answer to all three of these things is through the roof. Oh, I was going to say, in the words of Lindsay Lohan, the limit does not exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering yeah. all we've read about like every episode seeming to be way over budget, I'm just wondering how the series is doing at this point. Although it's a hit. So maybe uh, the network is just fliff nighting out. Yeah, yeah. Off scene. If they if they did this in widescreen and you could see uh, some of those angles you weren't supposed to see, you would actually see everyone just fliff nighting out around the, you know. <laughs> sound stages yeah. <laughs> um I was so excited I was like am I watching the right show because the how excited was Avanti so getting excited. a police car chase <laughs> right at the start she fell right episode. out honestly every time I walk into our living room and Avanti's watching television this is what it looks like so like when we started this episode I was like oh shit did we hit are we watching like fucking nine one one? Like what? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it was really exciting when I saw that first car fly up into the air. I did not anticipate a second car also flying up into the air. Um, yep, yep. Very cool chase scene. Does every chase scene on television uh, involve going through a stack of boxes that were empty the whole time? I think it's a really important kind of 
uh, sort of iconic thing for you mm-hmm. to really know. I was wondering if where it, you are and what's happening. Right. I was wondering if it has to do with like maybe it's easier to do like a squealing stop when you have like something that also covers some of the you know what I mean? Like I wondered if it were just for fun effect or if there was some like practical reason. Like when you lip sync, I'm a professional lip syncer. And if I don't know the lyrics, then I have my things. Like I'll I'll flip my hair in front of my face, you know, and everybody thinks, oh, she's just being cool, flipping her hair in front of her face. But really I just don't know the words. So I just thought maybe the boxes <laughs> are for when the car forgets the words, you know. It could be. It could be. Um, it just definitely adds a you know level of drama mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't inherently exist in a car spooping around. You know, I bet those cops didn't think they were going to get bopped with their own nightsticks. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Fucking, I bet you those cops didn't think that this guy was going to pull the taser things out of his own chest. Uh... Okay, so I did a little Googling, does removing taser barbs hurt? hurt and here is what i found (laughs) from one internet source so i assume this is accurate Mm -hmm. uh the taser barb was easily removed and the patient tolerated the procedure with no bleeding or additional trauma noted to the surrounding soft tissues so i'm not really that impressed but that he pulled the taser barbs out it's probably just like pulling your own iv out but (laughs) i think what's notable here is that the taser did nothing had absolutely no impact on dr sicker okay fair uh, he jumps, I write, big flaily jump into the water. This is, who ha- has anyone ever jumped like this? This is this is a jump that was invented by stunt folk, certainly, right? Because it looks like very dramatic and exciting. If he was just like, wee, frozen, frozen pose jump, we'd be like, I'm bored. Yeah, but, he goes but it would be much down. more effective. I mean, doing a little pencil drop into the water, much less conspicuous than this yeah. Riley jump. Um, and the cop is like, I know I hit him. He'd be bleeding bad. Meaningful pan down to mysterious green viscous substance, which must be alien blood. What's up? Kristen. Yes. Did you notice anything special about the credits? Um, I didn't. I, I, I may have the second time, but I read what I didn't notice the first time. Um, pretty excited about this. Guys. Okay, what is what does the ending card say instead of what it normally says, which is the truth is out there? What does it say? And you have to say it in the right voice. Well, what is the right voice? The voice that you did at the top or the voice that I imagined in my head? Okay. The last card now says, trust no one. <laughs> Amazing. I actually got emotional watching watching the credits. I saw Lou's head go all squiggly and I was like, <laughs> I have something in my eye. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I write in my notes, uh, now we are talking X-Files after I get the green blood uh, pan down. Um, Jenny, Mulder is sleeping on the fucking couch again. I no longer believe you that he has a bed. I think you are absolutely leading me on. He sleeps on the couch. That is his bedroom. Final statement. Mm, let's see. Okay. 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 I'm just checking. I'm just checking something out really quick. Hang on. Okay, it's going to be a minute. 
Kristen, <laughs> but I promise there's a bed. It's going to be kind of a while. Okay, great, great. But it is it is coming down the pike. <laughs> Uh, the film that he, he was watching The Fly, I think, last time he was sleeping on the couch. Now he's mm-hmm, watching mm-hmm. Journey to the Center of the Earth. That's I w- right. I would love to have the opportunity to rent DVDs slash VHS cassettes from Fox Mulder. You know, he seems to have a good collection. I think he's just watching it on TV. Oh, he just watched this had this had the real the real feel of like late night movie. OK, that's fair situation to me. I feel like he's been asleep on the couch for a while. Did you notice the pillow that he was sleeping on? Oh, no. Um, what did I miss? It's just a really nice, It like it isn't a Pendleton pillow, but it like has like crafted vibes like that. Very, very like nice around. I asked you because Avanti noticed the pillow. And so by extension, I assumed you would yeah. have noticed the pillow. Um, I love that he is How sleeping. embarrassing for me. I love that he's sleeping not with a teddy bear, but with a tiny little X-File tucked under his arm. Do you think he like takes one, a different one home with him <laughs> every night to cuddle with? Yeah. And he, yeah, he always switches them out because he doesn't want them to feel, you know, <laughs> yeah. like there's any kind of favoritism going mm-hmm. on. Okay. So ring, ring, ring. It's Deep Throat. And Deep Throat's like, why are you watching Channel 8? Uh, so Mulder... Immediately switches on channel eight and pops a VHS in to record it mm-hmm. because there is no internet. Mm-hmm. If he knows if he wants to watch it, I don't know, say a hundred times or so, uh, he's gonna need his own copy. This this blends seamlessly, it rolls right over into an exasperated Scully saying, You've watched this a hundred times but Mulder can't figure out what he's supposed to see oh Scully is so annoyed right out of the gates with the existence of Deep Throat in any way shape or form (laughs) she's like she says that Deep Throat is yanking his chain um, which doesn't seem like any of our business (laughs) I agree (laughs) Um, but I think that Mulder makes a good point because I also, you know, who can tell with Deep Throat? It's a wishy-washy situation. But I do agree with Mulder's assessment here that, like, the whole Deep Throat hides uh, a lie between two truths is uh, is a thing. But that doesn't mean he would go out of his way to call Mulder for no... I mean, it wasn't like Mulder was investigating a case and Deep Throat showed up and, like, deterred him from this thing. Like, he literally w- was the only reason that Mulder woke up and turned on Channel 8 and thought anything about this. So I feel like he's got a leg to stand on. At least one. Mm-hmm. So they go down to the harbor carrying the still of a guy at the crime scene who happened to not be wearing a badge or uniform, and they're asking the head cop... Uh, hey, uh, you know this guy? Uh, seen him around? And the cop is like, there's so many people here. There's simply so many people. At this point, it's just, it's been 18 hours okay. since the man went into the water. Mm-hmm. Just want to say that it's been 18 hours. Are you leading us somewhere that I don't know where you're leading us yet? No, no, no. Well, you know, we're just like, we're just marking time. Okay, okay. Um, the cop catches Mulder in his lie. I don't know why this cop even <laughs> cares, really, or would think to care, but Mulder's like, uh, yeah, the FBI, we're here just because he matches the description of a fugitive, and the cop's like, mm, we didn't release the description, and then Scooby-Doo and his gang roll up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but they asked to look at the car that was involved in this chase. Um, it's also important to note that the chase they discussed in the last scene was like uh, precipitated by, is that the word? The, like a moving violation. Like it was, there was no crime. I mean, I guess a moving violation is a crime, but you know what I mean? Like it was not like this guy like shot somebody and then fled or like robbed a bank and then fled. There was just a moving violation and it led to this. Do we think that's real? The moving violation? Yeah. You know, Jenny, I, until now, I thought it was actually because of a moving violation. I, In my mind, when I heard that, I was like, oh, this guy. But I guess it doesn't make any sense because really what he can't wind up, he can't wind up in a position where he's in a hospital. So mm-hmm. if he was just getting pulled over by a police officer, it's not like he has like a new identity or anything. Right. So. So then, no. Then, then it can't be. It has to be that they're that they found out that this guy is alive. But why would they involve the cops and not just the feds? I don't know. I didn't think about it. Well, maybe because uh, they view the the cops as like expendable foot soldiers. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you'd think though, based on the way that Crew Cut Man behaves in this episode, that if they were to have found out that this guy was alive, which he certainly is not supposed to be, they would have just pulled up in a very quiet van and shot him in the head okay yes true so then the question is why was dr sicare running doing a moving violation and running and And then running yeah like yeah so if anybody knows what we missed um please please let us know this podcast is just about jenny and i missing things so um it's actually probably really entertaining because people love to you know yell at us for what we Mm. what we don't know and they know so this is we're actually doing i can hear the tip tapping of keyboards across (laughs) this great land as we speak all right uh okay so they go to see the car at the the impound. Mulder is just carrying all these loose photographs this, that he has printed out uh, stills from the news report he videotaped. Uh, and, oh, they notice a sticker on the windshield in the car on the news that's not on the car at the impound. Uh, and then... Scully is like, oh, that symbol is called a caduceus. It's the staff of Hermes. It's a it's a symbol adopted by medical professionals. She caduceplains to Mulder. <laughs> I feel like Mulder would be familiar with this symbol. I've seen this symbol. Honestly, when I because I looked up this word based on how it was like, I didn't even see the symbol. Like when they when this scene first happened for me, I didn't see the symbol. I just heard the word and was like, oh, I want to see what this wild symbol is. And I looked it up and was like, wait, that's just a doctor symbol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. Jenny, I, I feel I'm as certain that Mulder would be familiar with this as I am certain that Scully knows there's a time difference between Connecticut and California. <laughs> Uh, Jenny, I don't mean to step on your jingle toes here, but Mulder had this picture enhanced. (laughs) Holy hocus pocus, get it into focus. The enhancement of this photo shows us that the plates on these cars are different. They switched the fucking cars and they lied about it. Bum, bum, bum. <gasps> okay, so onward 
to the registered owner of this car, Dr. Barubi and his 100 monkeys. I just watched, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm watching um, fucking Follow the House of Usher, you know? And I've had it, and like, mm-hmm. we're, we're also listening to Slayers, and there's just a lot of monkeys in my life right now. There's just fucking monkeys everywhere <laughs> I turn. Every which way. Uh, these monkeys uh, Scully? are lab monkeys. S- Sc- I, okay, I hate seeing lab an- animals of any kind under any circumstance. Um, but you know what I hate even more? Scully being a person who would stick her finger in the cage never freaking the monkey out and she says sorry i thought they were friendly what, what? this is uh just one thousand percent um bananas it's Scully is a medical doctor need i remind you she would not <laughs> stick her finger in a monkey cage at a lab it's so funny too because like if there was like a obviously like a plot line where you know she got bit by the monkey and like there was a fear that she had been contaminated with some of the alien dna or something but there's like i I couldn't figure out a single reason um yeah that she would do this but yes i have uh the same note dr baruby baruby or ben ruby baruby right Baruby. Dr. Baruby uh, giving me a line that resonates so deeply in my soul at the end of this scene. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have more work than time. Yes, yeah, it hurt me to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, and that's just, can I have that t shirt actually? <laughs> <laughs> so. Mulder proposes that they talk to the housekeeper that Dr. Baruby says uses this car sometimes. And Scully is like, I'm out. <laughs> Deep Throat can suck a dick. <laughs> Since it sounds like that's what he was going to do anyway. Uh, and then she goes on to say, Who is this Deep Throat character? I mean, we don't know anything about him. What his name is, what he does. He's in a delicate position. He has access to information and indiscretion could expose him. You don't know that this isn't just a game with him. He's toying with you, rationing out the facts. You think he does it because he gets off on it? No. I think he does it because you do. And then she storms off into the ladies' room, as so many of us have on so many an occasion, casting one last scathing glance back at Mulder over her shoulder before she flounces through the door yeah but she's like uh, angry she's had enough she's like angry but she's also like a little turned on you know like she just she just talked about how fucking Mulder gets turned on by the fucking bullshit that Deep Throat pulls so I just feel like maybe she's angry but also a little something else that maybe she can't quite put her finger on you know or maybe she can <laughs> speaking of uh putting fingers on things mm-hmm. Mulder's heading uh, into his building when who should appear it's like from a the Christmas, darkening night a but... Christmas, uh, Christmas tale that involves Deep Throat and Mulder yeah 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 calling it a night Mr. Mulder Mulder says my mother usually likes me home before the streetlights come on which is flirting Flir- oh they're s- deeply f- deeply flirting with Deep Throat throat um from day one says okay okay hold on now before we go all flirting all the time i would like to say that i was pretty stoked that 
Mulder actually took some of what Scully said into this scene with him. You know what I mean? Like, he's been defending Deep Throat up and down all season long, and it was nice that he took some of that that Scully doubt with him yeah. and threw it back in Deep Throat's face. Like, I just want you to know I'm not turned on by this actually, Deep Throat. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, did you ever do you recall in The Sopranos when Tony has been at therapy with Dr. Melfi and talking about his frustrations with with his aging mother um, and like wanting to like needing to to uh, figure out a nursing home like living situation for her because she uh, is has become a little bit of a danger to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like very stubborn and she's just like really She's a pretty unpleasant person, at least <laughs> when you meet her in the show. Um, and Dr. Melfi is like, I know, I know seniors who are inspired and inspiring. And then she like says a bunch of other stuff about, you know, like how like, you know, uh, maybe she just needs this or maybe like right. this environment will be good for her, whatever. And maybe it'll help her like be less miserable 1000% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then. Later in the episode, Tony is like having a, a conversation with his mother, which very quickly escalates into a fight. And then he just yells in her face, there are no seniors who are inspired and inspiring. And he's so mad. <laughs> and it's uh, I just really love when you see when you see characters have a conversation in an episode and then later it like plays it <laughs> like you see that it has stayed with them. Totally. Uh, in either a very effective way, like in this instance, or in a totally ineffective way. <laughs> like Tony. In The Sopranos. Um, yeah, these, I, and that's real life. I mean, we all do that, right? Somebody says something to you that like chews in on your brain and then it comes back out of your mouth later. Um, For sure. I love this uh, volley that they have where Deep Throat is like, I fear you've become too dependent on me. And what he means is like Mulder isn't even doing his own work anymore. He's just waiting for Deep Throat to show up with information. Uh Mulder's like, maybe it's you who've become too dependent on me. My willingness to play your games. Um, Who needs who more? Deep Throat or Mulder? This is another, I feel like, hallmark of chris carter episodes um conversations that are worded like 20 percent more formally right right than would occur right in real life <laughs> maybe it's you who's become too dependent on me dot 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 <laughs> on my willingness to play your games <laughs> Uh, contrary to what Deep Throat says at the end of this episode, he says, don't give up on this one. Trust me. You've never been closer. Um, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. (laughs) Dr. Baruby, more, more work than time. Still at the lab. Someone, this man doesn't even have time to flick a light switch. He is working in a lab with absolutely no lights on. The sun is down. How can you even see what's under the microscope, my guy? Oh, this is what's also going on? so relatable, though. Do you ever just, like, look up and you're sitting in the dark doing your work? And you're work? like, oh, <laughs> fuck. fuck. How did we? How did this happen? Yeah. I've done it again. Uh, but I'm staring at a well-lit computer screen. That's true. That's true. Not time. a dark microscope. Um, I guess uh, microscopes sometimes have self uh, light at the yeah. at the plate or whatever also who knows maybe the alien dna is 
you know, in Canada. Bioluminescent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crew Cut Man nice. uh, busts into the office and he asks if this guy, Sakari or Sakare, they say his name different 47 times in this episode, is alive and asks if he contacted Barubi. And uh, then he kills, then he kills him. So, Kristen, hmm. that's really important and uh, good of you to note. However, can I backpedal for one second and tell you something I recently learned about? Please. So we mentioned bioluminescence. Okay. Yes, a couple times on this show, as a matter of fact. Uh uh-huh, uh uh. Uh, I recently was at a science center with my beautiful child so he could see sharks and stuff <laughs> and i learned somehow i've missed this my whole life 41 years and nobody ever told me about biofluorescence wow. fucking squeaked in a 41 years <laughs> the day before her 42nd birthday i'm simply 41 years young unlike <laughs> some people <laughs> Uh, but have, did you know that biofluorescence is a thing and it's different from bioluminescence? Biofluorescent plants and organisms absorb low wavelength or dim light that emit high wavelength light that makes the creatures glow against a dark background. Isn't that cool? But, and so bio that's biofluorescence? Uh-huh. And bioluminescence is like a, a, a substance that, that glows? It's like a it's didn't it doesn't need to absorb light it just on its own like a fucking glow stick. Unlike biofluorescence, where an organism emits light upon excitation by an external light mm. source, bioluminescence is generated by a chemical or biological reaction created within the organism's body. Nice. <laughs> Similar to the reaction, this site says, that you witness when cracking a glow stick. Oh my god, I'm a scientist actually. Me's over yeah, here yes. like a glow stick, exactly. and then the article is like like a glow stick. <laughs> Paging Doctor Russo. Thank you. Uh, there's a radio station that I've recently discovered in my area that plays all the songs that I would want that I would play if I were given the controls, and I refer to it as W R U S S O. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Dr. Br- it's really important to note this exchange <laughs> where uh, Dr. Brew is like, I must get back to my work. I must get back to my work. And Crew Cut Man is like, I'm afraid. Meaningful pause. Your work is done. <laughs> there's just like some real, there's some real bat cracking going on in this episode. Also, I just feel like if you're going to then uh, like slowly wrap gauze around someone's neck and throw them out the window, like this is a line that I would think you'd say before you shoot somebody, you know, I'm afraid your work here is done. Boom. Bang. Bang. <laughs> Not like, I'm afraid your work here is done. I'm afraid done. your work here is done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay still. Be quiet. Shut up, monkeys. You know, the monkeys are Okay, screaming. let me. Oh, fucking the latch on this window is. Okay, and floink. Yeah. Ah, Spring. Wow. 
That's what I've always wanted. What did I do? Actually, great. Yeah. This, <laughs> welcome to uh, Jenny O'Neill Young's Foley Hour. <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's very funny. Okay, so back at the harbor, Kristen, mm-hmm. they're calling off the search. It's been okay. Okay. Three days. They they finally give up and and scoot their little boats out of this area of the harbor and Dr. Sakar's little head immediately pops up out of the water looking like Nev Campbell and Denise Richards on the Wild Things movie poster. Mm. Kristen, if he can breathe underwater as we learn later, why didn't he go literally anywhere else while underwater and get out of the fucking water before three days had elapsed? Imagine all the harbor bacteria that has been absorbed through that bullet wound. Maybe maybe it's like, you know, that fantasy that some people have of like who would go to your funeral, you know? Like like you want to be able to be there. He's and like, see- who would search for me <laughs> if I were missing? He's like, wow, three different squads searching for me? <laughs> um, I also read that this actor um, who plays Sakar, Sakar, Sakari, whatever, Simon Sikar. Webb, is... Um, absolutely terrified of water and had to do yes. these scenes so you know hat tip to him for this and also when he looks really afraid he actually is that actually is an acting so um yeah. <laughs> okay um i say in my notes Dude. here that scully and Mulder are now crunching through some glass at the monkey lab they're like Oh, what a beautiful autumn day. I love walking through the woods. Crunch, <laughs> crunch, crunch in her heels. Oh, Mulder is, Jenny, Mulder is touching every single thing in the room with his bare hands. He's like, is this evidence? Is this evidence? Yeah. Now listen, how many... Erlenmeyer flasks do you currently have in your lab marked purity control? Sadly, none, but that's about to change. Good, 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 good. And you? <laughs> uh, I, I am actually not at liberty to say. <laughs> do, do you, so was Baruby leaving, like, did he put the fucking password on the bottom of the Erlenmeyer flask because, just in case? Was he forgetful? Did no, he just... I think it's like, I don't think he's forgetful. I think it's just what the, like the code word for the project. So he was like labeling it for. It just feels like if that's the code word pursuit. that gets you admission to touch the alien baby, that well, maybe you should have it on a sticker. Well, but then you have to know where to go and okay. what and to And again, you have to, to be a medical for. doctor you'd need, to get in. You'd need, <laughs> you'd need one ID badge <laughs> stating that you are a medical daughter, uh, Medical, medical daughter. Medical daughter. Uh, uh, medical daughters. They're just like sons, but they're girls. <laughs> medically. Sometimes and you, I, I don't know if you can believe this, Jenny, but sometimes you actually can be a father of a medical daughter. So imagine being the medical father of a medical daughter. <laughs> so, in order to, yeah, get into the right spot you need an id you can be any kind of medical doctor any kind and then you get an id card where you have a, a photo where you just look like a total like smoldering fucking smoke show <laughs> just got scully has yet another identification badge where she just looks like she uh 
is professionally modeling. I mean, Jenny, if she didn't have a whole bunch of those to offer up, no one would ever know she was a lady. So it's important. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So we find out that, which doesn't seem to be a big deal to Scully, that Baruby was, um, you know, working on the Human Genome Project, which is the mapping of human genes. Uh, Mulder's like, of course I know what that is. It's perhaps the most ambitious scientific endeavor in the history of mankind. Also, I feel like this is, correct me if I, did, how did you respond to this? Because I heard it and I was like, oh yeah, the human genome. Why are they explaining this? Like, I know. I f- we all know. Feel like, we all know. But okay. you have to, but you have we to remember. We also all know what zeros and ones are. <laughs> We do. But also, like, the Human Genome Project started in 1990. So we know, like, it has been something that has been in our consciousness right. for a long time. For in 94, well, How long has it been since 1990? Like, 10 years or something? Yeah, about 10 years. So, you okay. know. I got, <laughs> um, but I think, I think then this was, like... This is also, I wanted to say this about this episode. I think something that I really fucking loved about this episode and some of the other episodes of this season are... When you can really see the science that's happening and the conversations that are happening in real time and how they're being mm. threaded through um, the storylines, I think that's very fun. Like the, these writers are living in a time where they are mapping. The, the Human Genome Project went from 90 to 2003. It was 2003 when we were like, we got it. We got the map, you know? And so like this is a, this is a fucking massive deal in like ways that could be really incredible and so powerful and also that can feel especially if you you know dabble in the land of sci-fi you're like oh what comes after this like where do we go after this and using that in storylines for shows like this I just I love that I love when people are thinking these thoughts over the bar table you know and like talking about this shit and then they're also putting it in television shows where aliens exist yes mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, Scully's, Scully's like, I can see the pieces of what we're doing here, but I'm really not seeing the connection. And um, Mulder's like, listen, maybe we're not seeing it because it cannot be seen in an obvious way. Take this Erlenmeyer flask. This is what is called an Erlenmeyer flask. Take it, please. And take it to... Can first you, find... you Erlen, then you Meyer. <laughs> first you Erlen, then you Meyer. Can you please find a lady who you might also want to flirt with? And can you guys just do a little lady on lady science so you can find out what's in the flask? And Scully is like, if this is monkey pee, you're on your own. Honestly, same. That's very cute. Not monkey pee, but... They're quips. Yeah. <laughs> um, in case you're wondering if one of us is 42 and the other one is about to be 42, I will say that my first note when we get to Baruby's house is Terrence. We love this sage exterior paint with the dark green trim. I absolutely love it. I took it down. I wrote it in my notes for like future house yep. color combos. Um, gr- yep. Terrence has a beautiful house. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... He is a very important scientist with more work than time, and he has a he employs a housekeeper. Yeah, he never gets to hang out in his, his house beautiful house together. But... He's 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 never been to that house no. actually. <laughs> oh. Poor Terry. Okay, so Mulder does a little B and E, and then we cut to Georgetown University microbiology department. One good doctor deserves another. Don't mind if I do, Doctor Anne carpenter i'm sorry (laughs) but like there was flirting between lazard 
and Scully a couple episodes ago. Okay, nothing like this. I have. It has not been since Felicity Huffman and Scully were naked checking each other for worms that I have seen. I just want everyone to know that that I witnessed the full (laughs) spectrum of human emotion just go through Jenny's entire face. (laughs) Really? You took me on a ride. That was a coming of age story if ever I've seen one or experienced one. Um, But these two are flirting from the moment they meet until the moment one of them sadly perishes. Kristen, (laughs) what the hell does... We've come a long way from Colonel Mustard in the den with the rope, haven't we? Mean. What does it mean? It's so funny. I'll I'll try to figure out what it means in a second, but I just moved aside so Jenny could see that on the chair behind me is the board game Clue. Um, So I actually, (gasps) yeah, I actually have direct knowledge of this. I mean... I yeah, guess yeah, I yeah. guess she's just saying like, wow, back in the olden days, we just had to guess who did a crime. But now you can bring me this Erlenmeyer flask and I can do science on it and we can find out more. Um, <laughs> OK, OK, OK. So she Dr. Carpenter is so stoked. We love a ladies in STEM scene, uh, no matter where we get it. But like these two geeking out over this bacteria and a virus and a bacteria and a virus or whatever the fuck they're looking at is really good to me. Um, She says it's the size of bacteria, but like nothing she's ever seen. And then she says we could do a freeze fracture if uh, if you don't mind waiting. Wink, wink, wink. (laughs) Nudge, nudge, (laughs) wink, wink. But what would we do while they freeze and fracture? (laughs) It's none of our business. It is none of our business. Okay, so at the at Terrence Baruby's home, Mulder finds the only phone number that Terrence Baruby has ever called, (laughs) just over and over and over and over and over again. The only time he's ever gone home is to call this phone number and then leave again. (laughs) So sad for this man. (laughs) You know what? He fucked up Uh, monkeys, so he's actually fine. Uh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so okay. So Mulder calls his FBI pal to. Get info about this number. But then Dr. Sakare calls this number and he's in a phone booth and he's fading fast and he passes out before he can tell Mulder where he is. And the guy who finds him is like, hello, I'm hanging up on you. I won't tell you where your friend is. I have to call an ambulance. Friends, if you show up to a payphone and a man has collapsed and is oozing green blood and there's another man on the other end saying, what street? Where do I go? You just te- you just say this is the street, and then you hang up and you bring the alien to the and hospital. And then you call the ambulance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. honestly, if you see anybody oozing green, you should just yell the street and then run as fast as you can. But Jenny, I do think that the only reason that Crew Cut Man does not shoot Mulder is because this dude is horrible at dealing with emergencies, and so does not tell Mulder where Sicar is. Sicar. Sicar. They say it differently. Sicare. Only everybody says Sicare and Baruba except Jerry Harden, who says Sakara and Baruba. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. We Danny calls back, and 
And Mulder, this is what's amazing to me. Crew cut dude in his car. He was waiting, basically, I, at least I presume, he was waiting to see if Mulder got information about the whereabouts of Sikare. But he doesn't. And then Crew cut man doesn't care. He doesn't care about any other information. He t- takes the fucking headset off right when Danny is like, so... Zeus storage, 1616 Pandora Street. It just seems like the crew cut man would also fucking care if Mulder was going to find five dudes floating in liquid in a storage space. But whatever. (laughs) All right, Jenny, are you ready for this fucking ambulance ride of death? Because if you're an EMT, you better be careful. I'm telling you what. Sweet, gentle EMT is doing their best with a green bleeding extraterrestrial uh terrible news they do a needly decompression and he starts emitting a toxic gas that fucks them up and then he exits the ambulance and flees and chris and i believe you have some information about the inspo for this particular feature of the episode. Yes, in the production documents from producer Latoya Ferguson, there was a link that simply said WTF question mark, and it linked to the Wikipedia article for a woman uh, named Gloria Ramirez. That is who this sort of scene was inspired from. Gloria Ramirez um, lived from 1963 to 1994, okay? She lived in Riverside, California, and she was dubbed, I did not dub her this, but she was dubbed the toxic lady by the media. I didn't, don't look at me. How dare they? I'm just reading the words. Um, Several hospital workers became ill after airborne exposure to her body and blood. She was admitted to the ER after um, suffering from late-stage cervical cancer, and while treating her, several hospital workers fainted. Others experienced symptoms such as short of breath and muscle spasms five required hospitalization and one of them remained in intensive care for two weeks uh the initial the initial assessment of this was that it was mass hysteria but actually after an investigation it was proposed and then later confirmed that ramirez had actually been self-administering dimethyl sulfoxide as a treatment for pain and that converted into dimethyl sulfate which is extremely poisonous uh, and a highly carcinogenic alkylating a alkyl alkylating it is alkylating agent via a series of chemical reactions in the emergency room. So she was not allegedly an alien, but she did like her her blood the things coming from her body like seriously harmed the medical professionals around her. It's not good. No, it's not good. Pretty fucking wild. Back at Georgetown University. Dana Scully in silhouette and in profile calling Mulder. She was like, he's going to love this. He won't be able to see me, but he'll be able to tell how I look somehow. I cannot get enough of this tiny little scene where she's like, now... She's trying to tell Mulder what she's discovered, and she's so excited. Dude, massive... We've all been waiting for this, Jenny. We've been waiting for this moment for the whole series. She's been waiting to have these words to tell Mulder so Mulder can finally smooch her. She's finally gotten here. She's like, I may be understating the strangest Mulder. Bacteria like this hasn't existed for millions of years. 
don't don't you remember saying millions of years? Not she gets so dramatic. Not since before our ancestors first crawled out of the sea. Are you there, Mulder? Mulder, do you hear me? He's like, yes, Scully, keep up the good work. And she literally is like, <laughs> click. Uh, <laughs> the scoff, yeah. the incredulity. <laughs> I did She's everything like, he wanted, and he still doesn't. It's love weird. Me. I feel. I feel significantly more seen by Dr. Ann Carpenter, and I've only known her for a matter of hours. Yes. <sighs> okay, over to Zeus storage. Huge news, Kristen. There are bodies in tanks. There are humanoids in liquid. They have all miraculously been positioned for modesty. What luck. <laughs> I don't even remember where I read this. It was probably in Latoya's notes, like, cribbed from one of the, like, behind the scenes of the X-Files. But there was this quote that was like, once the ladies found out there were naked men, there were many ladies on set the day this was filmed. And I was like, no. Okay, <laughs> okay gentlemen. I, I don't. I'd yeah. like to see the footage. <laughs> <laughs> Women notoriously love to see flaccid penises floating in fluid <laughs> that is the number one thing that will draw them to set um that all said this scene is stunning like i was as excited oh, yes, as i was about the car chase scene for different reasons in this scene this is like beautiful the lighting is beautiful the way that these di- they have divers these are divers in these tanks so that they can like stay underwater for a long time they didn't have to like make something fake these are real humans down under the water um i love this i again just sort of like going into season two i i'm i want more of like this vibe this is what i picture when i picture the x-files yeah this feels you know revelatory this feels like a season finale moment this feels like it's it's like eerie and beautiful and the scope that is implied by like yeah. this and the events of this episode it's just like you're really starting to feel like oh, this thing is like really big yeah yeah and goes deep um speaking of going deep uh back at the Georgetown oh my goodness <laughs> I'm sorry oh I'm really sorry I, there was oh. nothing else I could do uh scully fell asleep on the couch uh, hell yeah she did and okay so dr carpenter comes in and she's like you you're a lady who knows about molecular biology so i don't even have to tell you what you're looking at why don't you tell me and scully's like jeans and then they have a sciencey discussion and they get turned on and it's great um and we okay hear- but wouldn't <laughs> somebody who is a medical doctor understand about nucleotides already maybe about nucleotides but i don't know if scully would i mean you know this idea that four nucleotides exist in dna and every living thing is created from the four basic building blocks wild i don't know if it's wild it's i needed the information so maybe they were just being kind in case anyone else was in the room uh and no sure 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 um But let's listen to uh, the end of this conversation between Dr. Carpenter. Um, And I have to say, this might be none of your business, but let's listen to them have the rest of this exchange. (laughs) Normally, we'd find no gaps in the sequence. But with these bacteria, we do. Why is that? I don't know why. But I tell you, 
Under any other circumstances, my first call would have been to the government. What exactly did you find? A fifth and sixth DNA nucleotide. A new base pair. Agent Scully, what you are looking at, it exists nowhere in nature. It would have to be, by definition, extraterrestrial. That feeling when your crush says it would have to be, by definition, extraterrestrial. Oh my God. I simply can't handle it. Can I can't. You? I cannot handle it. And like, this, here's the thing. I could not handle the scene between these two women, um, nor could I handle the extraterrestrial discovery that is scientifically being told by a scientist to science Scully, because that's how it has to happen for her to believe, right? Uh-huh. Yep. But then, yep, Jenny, totally. the next fucking moment, I'm like recovering from this. The next moment we go to zoo storage where Mulder is walking outside, is chased by men and suddenly runs and single swoops his whole body over a huge fence. I'm I am unwell in my in my body and my soul. It is legitimate. It is good. And I'm breathing and it's very chill. Um, Scully calls Mulder to find out where the fuck he's been all night, and he's very cryptic and says he had a situation. Okay. Um, she, she tries again. She's like, I didn't get him the first time, but I'm going to, here we go. I'm going to use the word he needs to hear. (laughs) Extraterrestrial. She, I'm sorry. My next note is, it's not funny, but I'm going to read it to you anyway, because I write, that Scully says they're saying it could be extraterrestrial. And then that Mulder says, you need to come over here because I have to show you something. And then underneath that in parentheticals, I wrote his boner. <laughs> uh, so Great. Okay. So Scully rolls up to Zeus storage. It seems like a mistake that Mulder left the storage place and then came back, but not until hours later and has not gone back inside before Scully arrives. Uh, and she's like, I just, she, she, they have this exchange that we opened the episode with uh, about like Scully being like, I'm sorry. And Mulder's like, it's okay. I just like I feel like we've had 24 episodes and there have been plenty of times where Mulder was perhaps barking up the wrong alien tree. So, you know, I appreciate this very nice apology, but Mulder <laughs> never apologizes. Never apologizes. Um and Scully has this really big moment for her. Yeah. And in which she says that she has always held science as sacred. She's always put her trust in accepted facts. But for the first time in her life, she doesn't know what to believe. What do you think about that? I'm pretty into it. I really didn't think we'd get here. I did not think that Dana Scully would be carrying a preserved alien fetus in a brown cardboard box under her arm by the end of season one. I did not. I really <laughs> did not. I am I am Wasn't delighted. On your bingo I am, card. Yeah. I mean, because like. 
you know, I know that Scully, I mean, clearly she'll have to continue to be a skeptic in some way, shape or form. But the fact that we already have Scully knowing that there are that there is an alien fucking fetus preserved like that is pretty massive. And I like it. I'm happy. And I love this exchange. I think, you know, I, I mean, I think that we've talked about the fact that in our opinion, or at least I'll say in mine, this season was too long. There were too many episodes. They had to recycle too many ideas. But if you follow the best points of the season, like, and and set them up so that this is earned, this is an amazing moment. Like, this is really what we've been reaching for and what Mulder's been reaching for for a very long time. And I think it's good and great and um i also would like to say that in the middle of this clip that we played up at the top of the episode something happens um scully says i should know by now to trust your instincts debatable sidebar Mulder says why nobody else does and scully smiles a smile that is so fucking radiant and they look into each other's eyes and they fall in love just a little bit more. <gasps> they make oh my god significant eye contact. Hit that jingle. God bless us, everyone. Oh, Jenny, crew cut man carried away those tanks. He just put them all in his van. And he drove away. That was that. By himself. <laughs> that van was not big. I'm confused. Yeah. Um. They probably just like destroy like they probably just got these guys out of the tanks killed them all and dumped all the water like what did they i don't know what the cleanup was but it probably was guys in hazmat suits that will never speak to anyone about what they've done but they're gone yeah yeah and it kind of doesn't i mean also something nice about this episode i think is that it kind of doesn't matter that they're gone um for scully right like it ultimately you know most other episodes scully doesn't see the thing and then she doesn't believe but in this instance it doesn't matter that they're gone she ultimately believes that they were there so that's also nice I gasped. Yes. I gasped <gasps> when Deep Throat when walked. Bad Dad showed up. He <laughs> never shows up when Scully is there. Never. And I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! They're in the same room. What's gonna happen? Holy shit! <sighs> he calls her Miss Mulder's like Scully. Dad, Dad, I was chased, and he was like, If you were chased, you'd be dead. <laughs> if they wanted to kill you, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They're standing in the room where the first human-alien hybrid was made. Why not? Deep Throat is telling them so many things. He's, they're getting such an info dump. And Scully's like, there's just one thing I don't understand. Just one thing? Scully? There are a lot of things I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, they got this alien baby. They used its tissue. They made a human-alien hybrid. Six terminally ill patients uh, signed up to get these transplants, and all six of them they began to recover because extraterrestrials fucking don't get cancer. You know what I mean? Extraterrestrials have incredible immune systems. <laughs> you know um, they also developed inhuman strength and the ability to breathe underwater. Uh, why not? Why the fuck not? So we've talked about this, like, you know, Sakaire was running from the fact that he was never supposed to survive. The the government, the black ops, whoever the fuck is doing this shit, 
didn't give a fuck about curing terminally ill patients. Of course they didn't. They just wanted the science. They wanted the tech. They wanted to know that they had these abilities to use them probably for forces of evil in the future should they so need them. Um, but Dr. Barubi was friends with Sakare. Maybe they were smooching. And so he warned him. And that's why he didn't get killed. Okay. I mean, when Sakare calls Barubi's house, he does say Terry. And yeah. everyone else calls him Terrence. So it does uh, point to perhaps some intimacy. Yeah. And maybe that's why, like, you know, he had that big, beautiful house. It was for, you know, they had, like, wine there and they cooked each other dinner. <laughs> And maybe the reason that Barubi is so absorbed in his work is because his lover is <gasps> missing, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Well, after we missed Lyle and fucking, you know what I mean? Like, after we missed the gay yeah. lovers in Shapes, I just now have to be yeah, very careful. Yeah, we just gotta turn every stone over. Yeah. Uh, so Deep Throat tells them that they need to find Sakare and that they won't hear anything else from him about this. Okay, Dad. Okay. Scully okay. goes back to the microbiology department, and Kristen, you will not believe this. What are the odds? But Dr. Carpenter was in a terrible car accident with her whole family, and she is dead. Fucking okay. so just like the tale's old as time. Bury your gaze. You know what I mean? Just one smooch with Scully, and there she goes, killed. I don't care Typical. for this. No, I don't either. Bring uh. her back. Bring her back. <laughs> um... Okay, so Mulder is back at Barubi's house, and someone is there. It's Sikar. Sikar. I'm so sorry. I'll never get it right. Jenny, in this moment when I was watching this, this episode, Mulder opens up the attic and climbs up the ladder, and I turned to uh -huh. Avanti, and I said, imagine that Chevy Chase was just up there watching his old Christmas movies on the projector. <laughs> And I want so badly for the cut to be made of just like Mulder going up and then cutting to look at Chevy Chase up there. It's the same attic. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, uh, Sakaire is up there. He attacks Mulder. Um, Mulder says he's going to protect him. But then someone in a gas mask shoots him. Uh, and Mulder is burned the same way that the guys in the ambulance were burned by the noxious fumes coming out of this alien human. Yeah, when Mulder wakes up and his face is all fucked up, this is from the yeah. fumes? Yeah. Not from Crew Cut Man punching him in the face a bunch. Yeah, and I actually didn't know that until I read some of the like behind-the-scenes stuff, and it talked about how um, David Duchovny, this makeup was like a real pain in the ass and he had to wear it for a long time and what have you and in that it talked about how it was from you know the fumes or whatever but I uh, because his wrists are duct taped together it is very easy to think that they beat the shit out of him but I yeah, guess that's yeah. not what's being implied so okay you know that feeling when your two girlfriends run into each other at the door to your apartment and it's so embarrassing for everyone. So embarrassing. This is just like Brandy and Monica. You know what I mean? This is happening. <laughs> Deep Throat immediately claiming ownership, like popping out from behind the bush and being like, he's not home. So nice that you tried, but I actually know that he's not home. So 
Oh my goodness. Deep Throat uh, says that he knows that they're not going to kill Mulder because he's become too high profile. Um, he says that Scully has evidence that could expose them, and she's like, but I don't. And then Deep Throat is like, but did you know that you're a medical doctor? Because of your medical background, I could get you into this incredibly high security, super secret government project. What? So, and I know, I know, we'll probably talk about this when we get to it. But since he's going to get Scully into this facility, and since he's already sharing all this information with him, are we to believe that Deep Throat knows he's fucking dead? Like from the moment he walked into that room with the tanks, that he knows he's dead because it feels like that to me. That he's just mm. like giving them everything he can give them and i also think it's the reason that he argues as much as he argues with scully about who's going to do the trade oh look at that yeah i could see that right and i don't know Aww. because like you know for those of you who've seen more of the series there's likely more that we will learn about i mean you know probably we'll get some more on deep throat um so maybe there's more information that will be filled in later but at first I was like really annoyed when he was on the bridge and like wouldn't let Scully do anything but then when everything unfolded I was like oh my god Deep Throat was just making sure that she stayed alive question mark um I mean yeah well well I have questions when we get there okay For now, um, so we have a listener, as you know, we've talked about a few times, who asks questions to uh, their sister, who is in the FBI, I believe actually retired now from the FBI. And I was thinking so much about this sister's response to us asking, like, if FBI agents are trained to be sneaky and being like, no, because why? FBI agents don't have to be sneaky. Like, that's not usually in the job description of being in the FBI. <laughs> Scully clearly no training for being sneaky once again. She looks as suspicious as I would look if I was trying to break into this facility. Project password. Uh, <laughs> looks everywhere. Uh, is it called red bell? Is it called doorknob? Is it called increasingly angry security guard? She does like even every time she swipes a key, the key card in any swiper, I feel like she holds up the card and looks left, right, up, down before she swipes the card. Like she's just, it's just not not slick. But she fucking, she had a hunch, Jenny. She fucking had a hunch. And yeah, the hunch was right. She yep. guessed purity control, and that was the fucking project. Thankfully, password. she didn't guess monkey piss. Um, this is all taking place, by the way, on floor seven. The cryology floor for her. It's where, it's where you go to cry, you know? You're, yeah. You're no, feeling, I know. Having some feelings. You got to go up to level seven. I mean, how do you think I know what it's for? <laughs> I've been there myself. Uh, it just says level seven, comma, if you have something in your eye. Yeah. Uh, yeah ology. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so Scully opens this big Jurassic Park tube. And what, lo and behold, but what to her wondering eyes should appear but a tiny, frozen, 
alien baby, which she then just smuggles out somehow. She just walks out of this place. And it is pretty small. It's pretty small. She's a lady, so she probably has a purse at least the size of an alien baby, you know? Um, Kristen, let me tell you what. The first test shot of Scully removing the alien fetus doll from liquid nitrogen went correctly, but then under the hot studio lights, the model started falling apart. (laughs) Did you know that? So Um, in the following takes, they had to flash the lighting in a different direction. Do you have that whole bit about it? Because there's one part of it where it talks about the alien baby's head literally exploding off of the thing across the room. And it oh my is God. No. very funny. I wish. Um, we'll put, there's so much like production information about this finale and it is really delightful from the top to the bottom. So we'll link to this like production um document that you know you could google it also but we'll put it in the links for you to find easy more easily um but i love that and they had another one don't worry there was two there are two baby fetus aliens um and so when (laughs) when one shattered they uh they had a backup this is and i cannot i know i already talked about it but i cannot explain to you how little i expected this moment i was I, if I was on a less stable surface, I would have fallen off. I was luckily really wedged in my couch, so I didn't fall. But I was like, I just thought it was going to be tissue, you know? Like, the whole time they were like, it's the original tissue sample. Tissue, tissue. So I thought mm-hmm. it was just going to be like a little science piece of nondescript thing. Yep. But no. I love it. I fucking love it. They sell I'm so these? pleased that you're pleased. Do so they sell these? Can I have a tiny alien baby fetus in my office? The paperweight, you know, I must sell them, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can track one of these down. <laughs> Cover Buffy, get a green mug. Cover the X Files, get an alien fetus. Perfect. Um. Okay. So I already said this, but my first note when they get to the bridge is: we love to see Scully with an alien in a box under her arm. We simply love to see it. <laughs> she's there waiting for deep throat and she wants to make the exchange because she says i don't trust you to deep throat but then she also says not out loud and i l- am in love with Vox Mulder. yeah and and deep throat is like in 1987 a group of southern kids were injected with clone dna from a baby alien when they thought they were getting a vaccine that's the kind of people that you're dealing with as a um, child this is why yeah. <laughs> this is why people think some things also as a child who was seven years old in 1987 i have to say was it me well maybe do you feel inhumanly strong Kristen? always <laughs> crew cut man rolls up makes very meaningful eye contact with scully Leaving me to wonder with what what is about to transpire. Why leave Scully alive? Yeah. Why leave Mulder alive? Yeah. Why are Mulder and Scully alive? I don't know. Is he like they're too it. hot? I can't kill them. <laughs> People are enjoying this show too but much. We'll let it go on one more season. The, they stop by Deep Throat. The the crew cut man van stops by Deep Throat. And as uh, crew cut man is making the trade slash killing deep throat shooting him dead Mulder is unceremoniously hucked out of the back of the van yeah and okay so 
Deep Throat getting shot. Did not expect it. Did not believe it, actually. Like, I I just really felt like in future seasons, we would see more Deep Throat. And again, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but based on general vibes it feels like deep throat is actually dead um so that's sad if true um and i also think Mm -hmm. that this exchange that deep throat and scully have before he gets shot feels important uh because he tells her about the kids who were you know inoculated with like alien dna or whatever um, and then says that they they have to save Mulder's life. And she says, at the expense of so many others. Because when I was first watching this episode, I was like, Mulder is going to be so fucking mad if Scully saves his life by, like, giving up the thing that he's always been after, right? Like, this fucking alien baby, mm-hmm. Mulder wants more than his own life. Like, clearly. Um, but then I also thought, like, okay, so, yeah, like, why why are we... If this is the thing, it's in the box. We have the thing. It's right here. Why are we giving it away to get Mulder back? And Deep Throat says, because this is the tip of the iceberg, you and Mulder are the only ones who can bring it to light. Why? Why? No idea. Okay. <laughs> Categorically untrue. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I just, I just found something out. Hmm. Jerry Harden, who plays Deep Throat, uh, has a daughter who is an actor. Oh. Who I know you've seen in a variety of things, Kristen. Really? It's Melora Harden, uh, Jan from The Office. She's a transparent. She's in oh. the bold type. Of course. She's a fucking badass. I love her. Yeah, I've seen her in so all great. of those things, which I can very rarely say about anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, she's in the hot chick. Oh, I haven't seen that. So. Wow, that's her dad. Can you believe it? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um. So when Deep Throat is shot, Scully runs, and she notably runs to Mulder first. And once she knows that Mulder is alive, then she goes over to Deep Throat. This is when, of course, he says, "What does he say, Jenny?" Trust! Trust! No one dies. Um, This is a gorgeous shot, I think. It's really, sorry, yeah. it's really giving Sid the ventriloquist dummy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, I don't mean the shot where he says those lines, but I but the shot right after that where it like pans up from the bridge and Mulder is uh-huh. just sort of like in the dark and then Scully and Deep Throat are like lit by a street lamp or what have you. It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And like mm, mm-hmm. I also think like sad to lose Deep Throat if this is really the truth of the matter, which it seems it is. Um, but I also kind of love like Deep Throat was always an ambiguous character. We didn't know from the moment we met him if he was really helping Mulder, if he was playing around with Mulder, what his intentions were. We had very compelling moments from him where he said, you know, explained how he had to kill an alien one time and that he'll never forget the look in that alien's eyes of confusion and like just like really fucking complicated shit in this character. And so I love that 
The end of this episode was Scully essentially having to trust Deep Throat because he said that she had no one else to trust. And then his last words before dying Mm. were to trust no one, which, you know, could, of course, mean trust no one because, look, they just fucking killed me. But it could also mean you shouldn't have trusted me. Like, we we don't know and we can't know. And oh my God. I just think that's very cool and very good writing. Um, and I like it. And I hope for more of it. What a show. I'm so glad we're talking about this show. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 13 days later. Such a specific amount of days. Um, phone rings but Scully was already awake uh, because she and Mulder similar to twins in the womb can sometimes communicate with each other that's a reference to an episode we didn't cover <laughs> hey oh Scully God, it's me um, this is Jenny do you want to talk about the uh, promo for this episode that you sent to me right now because it was really something oh, and I think we're yeah. going to put it up on our socials yeah let me um let me grab that really quick the top of the image says explosive season finale okay okay then there's a big file <laughs> and the tab on the file says the x files and there's a photo of Mulder and a photo of Scully and they're paper clipped onto the outside of the file and they've been stamped and they say terminate across their pretty little faces. And then the copy is of all the mysteries in the X-Files, there is one so deadly and frightening the government will do anything to keep it a secret, even kill their own footage not found. Like really? They the were 90s- not terminated. Nobody even tried. You trust no one, including the people who advertise for television shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. Uh, what, of course, they meant was not that Scully and Mulder were going to get killed, which they do not, but that they were going to shut down the X-Files. And that's why Fox Mulder has called Dana Scully in this last scene. They're shutting us down. They called me in tonight. They're going to reassign us. Skinner, <gasps> Pelleggi himself, told... Mulder, he's fucking out of here. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Honestly, Scully likes it least of all. She's like, well, you had you have to Scully do was something. Like, I just started to like this. <laughs> yeah, I just found my first alien baby. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> I just uh, found my first alien baby. <laughs> um, uh, she says, yeah. "What are you gonna do?" And he says, "I'm not gonna give up. I can't give up." Not as long. Now, here's the thing. He says, not as long as the truth is out there. Click. And what I really want from from Mulder is for him to say, I'm not going to give up. I can't give up. Not as long as the truth is out there. What are you going to do? But he hangs up. He doesn't even ask her. She just wanted to tell him. He's like, bye, Shelly. She just wanted to tell him. She she touched an alien baby. She's going to help him no matter what. No matter what. We'll get to my crystal ball. Don't worry. Did you notice uh, what time Mulder called Scully? Uh, I think I did, actually. 11.22 p.m. Scully Um, had been asleep for two and a half hours already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. And do you remember a previous time when Mulder called Scully? 
Was it at the end of the pilot? Uh, at that at that hour. Was it at the end of the, the pilot episode of this uh, season of television? That's right. <laughs> it was in the pilot. You this know what is, else happened in the pilot? <laughs> what else happened in the pilot, Jenny? Uh, the man we've come to lovingly refer to as the cigarette smoking man uh, filed something away mm. in uh, the everyone at the Pentagon are hoarders <laughs> storage unit. <laughs> Pentagon easy storage facility. Oh my god! But this time he he files away a little alien baby in a jar in the alien baby in a jar section. Yeah, not it's right next to the nose plugs aliens put in your nose section. (laughs) 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 But I love this. I mean, I really do. Like we're laughing, but I love the like overlap of pilot and finale. I think that's very nice and. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's this is great. This is great. Uh, to Latoya and it's so, you know we've all been on a ride, right? And Latoya and I have had some similar experiences with season one. We've both never seen it before. And um, Latoya's last production note was honestly, this finale made me immediately want to start up season two just after I finished up my notes for this season. And I am very Dude. much with you, LaToya. I am feeling as I excited. I love this. Yeah, I'm fucking ready. Let's go. Let's go. Season two. Show me some aliens. Notably, this was not a hot alien with tits. This was a baby alien. But <laughs> we still have oh a whole God. other season to find LaToya her hot alien with tits. So, Oh, <sighs> my fucking God. <laughs> Uh, um, what a world what a time to be alive I'm so pleased yeah me too how do you feel I feel excited it's powerful excited <clears throat> I feel powerful I feel very proud of myself that I can say I've seen a whole season of the X-Files um, but I, I feel very excited because I've been and I, I mean you know maybe I will feel differently when we cartwheel over into season two next season but um I've been wanting to feel more excited in a lot of these episodes of season one. Um, and yeah, uh, I feel like perhaps we're going to get there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some of the things that I think um, might happen in season two once we get to my crystal ball. Oh my so God. I, I'll save some oh of my, my God. excited specific feelings for there. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but speaking of excited feelings... <laughs> Uh, dare we turn our eyes uh, from between the slats of our spread fingers, <laughs> yes. covering them uh, performatively toward the Sexual Tension Awards? Yes, we should. Sexual Welcome back to the final installment of the Sexual Tension Awards for season one, unless we are forced, unless the crackling chemistry between me, Kristen, and LaToya <laughs> during the recording of the wrap-up episode for season one is so intense that we have no choice but to nominate uh, every combination of the three of us. Fucking something to aim for, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, boy. In slot number one, cast a vote for daddy issues, cast a vote for you know the collective consciousness uh he just wanted to make him proud and stuff and it's none of our business it's Mulder and Deep Throat (laughs) 
Perhaps they've become too dependent on each other. (laughs) In slot number two, beautiful friends, may I submit the people's choice. Mm -hmm. Doctors Dana Scully and Anne Carpenter paging doctors Scully and Carpenter. Where could they have gone? Your freeze fracture is ready. Doctors, doctors, where are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not no, Colonel Mustard with the <laughs> peppercorn grinder in the shed or whatever anymore, ladies. <laughs> this is not your grandmother's sexual tension award. No, it's Dr. Carpenter and Dr. Scully in the hospital closet with a... <gasps> None of our business. Yeah. <laughs> in the third slot. <laughs> uh, in the third slot. You know, many senses go into a, (laughs) forgive me for saying so, sexual experience. Gross. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, arguably, could it be said that, you know, one of the sort of most important or the first thing maybe that you think of uh, sense-wise when it comes to a sexual encounter (laughs) Would be touch? Mm. If so, check yes on slot three for Mulder and barehanding evidence. Left, right, willy and nilly. He can't be contained. And in slot number four. Oh, my goodness. They've really, they've really got it. She doesn't have the opportunity to put her, take her jacket off and put it on him when he has uh, been hucked out of the van. But... They do make significant eye contact and she does uh, believe, it seems, and she also apologizes to him unnecessarily, but still uh, feels like a real flawless victory for Mulder and Scully, the mothership. The mothership. I think that the more Scully believes in aliens, the more Scully believes she wants to kiss Mulder. You know, I think it's uh, math equals math there. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I want to believe I kiss Mooch. Okay. Now, Kristen, do you have the titular amethyst sphere on hand? Are you ready? I've got the titular sphere. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Okay. It is time, one last time, for a season one installment of Kristen's Crystal Ball. and Chris the ball (laughs) what are you thinking okay Uh, I already declared this but my crystal ball and I are convinced Mulder's bed is his couch this is now a fact I already said that but I want it to be in his proper segment okay Scully and Scully and Mulder will not kiss in season two but they will get knocked unconscious and wake up in a compromising position (laughs) Mulder will be wearing sweatpants for the first three episodes of season two. Perhaps he will even have some stubble. <laughs> oh, because they're uh, off the off the job. Yeah. Well, he is. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
Okay. Scully will bring by some food for Mulder and find out that in his depression and stubble and sweatpants, Mulder has actually started feeding a stray cat by leaving food out for it every night. (laughs) Scully will have a horrible partner in her new reassignment at the FBI. We will hate him, but they might accidentally kiss one time (laughs) just so we can see how angry Mulder gets. Mulder, in fact, will bitch to his stray cat about it. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Just two more points. Um, One, we will meet one of the children who was injected with alien DNA in season two. And some... Okay, okay. (laughs) Finally, last but not least... Someone gay will be in the second season. A gay character will be on the second season. May may only appear one time, but a true bona fide gay will be in season two of The X-Files. If if a character, like if Mulder and Scully or Mulder or Scully Mm -hmm. are investigating a murder of someone who is revealed to be gay, but but they have no screen time as an alive character, does that count? No, that fucking doesn't count. Now I'm mad. I mean, I know it doesn't count, but I'm just, you know. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, no. Just for clarity. No, it doesn't count. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Beautiful. Also, one quick question from our listener, Angus. Uh, wanting to know how many more smug bitches do I predict, do me and my crystal ball predict, will appear in mm. the show? Will any of them be called Elizabeth? Okay, we've got how many seasons of this show? Are we... Uh, there's nine, but everybody doesn't like one of them. There's eight, or there's nine, mm, and then there's... Ten. Okay, so there's nine. Eleven. Okay. I think there's nine proper, and then two reboots. All right, I'm going to go with seven more Smug bitches, when we mean that a smug bitch is an eight-year-old girl who can use power to mess you up. Uh, and Seven all... more eight-year-old girls who use a power to mess you, to all mess up. you up. And, Got it? And probably, like, I will call people a smug bitch at least 22 more times in the series. That they will, they will, you know, span. I mean... Deep throat, smug bitch. So, you know, it, it goes past mm-hmm. just the original smug bitches of the world. Um, and yes, one of them will be called Elizabeth. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, perfect. We did it. Fuck, Jenny. What the fuck is the status of this X-File? I would say that the status of this X-File is too dependent on me and my willingness to play its games (laughs) (sighs) all right jenny well for the last time in season one you should probably tell everyone who the hell you are here we go beautiful friends uh my name is jenny owen youngs and when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm usually making music. I don't mean to brag, but I just announced my annual holiday stream, Tidings of Comfort and J-O-Y. It will be occurring this year on December 14th. You mm. can get tickets and uh, find out more info by visiting my website, JennyOwenYoungs.com, or 
finding my various posts about it across socials um, at Jenny Owen Youngs. You can also uh, say hi to me on those socials. Give me a little follow. You know, just come uh, be a pal. I encourage you, you to show Jing-a-ling-a-ling. up. Um, show up to feel festive. Uh, show up to enjoy Jenny's music, and show up to remind Jenny that she is the same age as me, Kristen Russo, on December fourteenth for comfort and of tidings and JOY. <laughs> Ugh, that is annoying, but whatever gets you there. <laughs> My name is Kristen Russo, um, and when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy, I am usually working with and for LGBTQ communities. You can learn more about my work at kristennoline.com. This year, I uh, also did some fun stuff with my patrons, one of which was watching some queer horror films together. And it was so much fun, in fact, that we will be picking 12 more horror films. And this time it's a list curated by uh, by us specifically for 2024. Um, so we'll be rolling out that list of queer horror choices. And you can find all that information out on my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Kristen Nolene. Oh, Kristen Nolene, did you want to know how to spell that? That's my first name and my middle name. And um, Jenny wrote a jingle to help you out. <gasps> Kristen with an I, N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and also TikTok at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can write to the crystal ball at crystalball at BufferingCast.com. Now's the time to do it, too, because you can get all your season two crystal ball questions in there. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, you can support our work by, of course, rating, reviewing us, uh, going on over to our store. We've got some holiday items up right now. There's a new ornament that says, tis the season, whatever that means. It's the first time we've ever had an ornament that says those <laughs> famous words on it. Um, we've got a new hoodie. We've got a couple of other fun items, some tis the season socks and some wrapping paper. It's a good time. And of course, you can always become a patron of ours, patreon.com slash buffering cast. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time. <gasps> the, the pod is out there. Wow. <sighs> as is the alien baby fetus. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> oh, 
your search is at an <laughs> end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.